if this is the non-coked up Fleetwood Mac, pass. It's time to dust up. <laughs> pass. Yeah. Get out your silver spoon. <laughs> This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Vasello and Kirik McMillan. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Two Idiots and a List. I'm here as always with my co host, Nick Vasello. Hey, motherfucker. <laughs> Man promises and he delivers. <laughs> Nothing like a warm welcome to me and our audience. <laughs> Which is growing in size. I, I think you have some news for us. It is. Uh, by the time this airs, we'll be right around 10,000 listens. We've been heard in 60 countries outside of the U.S., and those foreign countries represent more than a quarter of our listening audience. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The top 10 countries that are listening to us outside of the U.S. from the bottom up are Japan, Mexico, Spain, Australia, France, Italy, Brazil, Germany, the U.K., and coming in at number one are our friends to the north in Canada. Good day, mate. That's not Canada. Canada. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, but they're very, I was thinking very friendly people. Yes. And Australians and Canadians are all very friendly people. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what was I thinking? Was like, good day, mate. <laughs> good day. What did they say? Throw another elk on the Barbie. Oh, hey, you hoser. <laughs> <laughs> thinking. <laughs> well, we've been heard there in 10 out of 13 provinces. So if any of you know someone in the Northwest Territories, Prince Edward Island, or Nunavut, send them our show. You ever bend up there? To Nunavut? Anywhere in Canada. Oh, besides yeah. Besides the cities. Like, yeah. besides Toronto, Montreal. Yeah, I've been to Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. And have been on the Outback, mate. I have. <laughs> no, no. I didn't see the famous Canadian kangaroos jumping around. They call them Canadian gurus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boo. Well, Beautiful well, land up there. Oh, it's gorgeous. Saskatchewan, Calgary. The population of Nunavut is about 38,000, so our chances of being heard there are not great. But hey, you can always hope. Optimism. All right, Nick, who's our show about today? Today we have a band that is almost on the Mount Rushmore. I think we're going to have that discussion today. This is a band I'm really excited for because it's part of my like formative upbringing. So today's band is Fleetwood Mac. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. A lot of material. A lot of material. A lot of different material. When you count their solo careers, right? Lindsay and Stevie Mm -hmm. had solo stuff. I don't know if the other three did solo. Mick Fleetwood did, but it wasn't anything I recognized. 
I was stunned to find out that before Nixon Buckingham joined the band, there was 11 Fleetwood Macs yes. albums before? Yeah. Like from 1965? S- something like that. It, there was a big number. Yeah. And they were like competing with like Cream and they were a blues band, like British blues. Like a Delta blues almost. Yeah. It was, it was weird. What surprised me is these guys wrote Black Magic Woman. I didn't know that. Really? I always thought that was a Santana song. That is a Fleetwood Mac song. I don't get that. Santana just really? covered it. I'm winning from Santana. <laughs> oh, John McEnroe's theme? What a great song. <laughs> Fuck you, John McEnroe. <laughs> yeah, their, their early stuff was super, super bluesy. Like I said, very Delta blues. Peter Green was one of the founding members, or one of the early members, I should say. And he came from John Mayall's Blues Breakers. Their first four or five albums were all along that real thick blues line. I I followed under P for Pink Floyd, Pass, all that early stuff. Just skipped right over it. Come on. If it was good, we'd know about it. I didn't care for it. (laughs) There you go. I didn't care for it. I mean, if I was in the mood for some, you know, good old-fashioned down-home blues, yeah, I suppose it would work, but I'm not. The Nick's Buckingham album that they dropped right before they joined Fleetwood Mac... You can't find that anywhere. No, and it's really, really valuable. If you've got it on vinyl, it's oh, really valuable. They only pressed like 30000 and then and then, the, then the company dropped them from their label. They said, we're done with this. You right. recorded it all. You cut it all together. You made this album. Now we're going to not support it. Right. It's so crazy. And that's a good goddamn album. Yeah. You can find... Somebody put it up there on YouTube. You can find some tracks. It's pretty good. Yeah. It, once they came to 1971 and they put out the album Future Games... The vibe changed, and by that point, they brought in Christine McVie. The original guitarist of the band left at the same time. All three of them. There were three guitarists in this band. And they all skated. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the primary guitarist left for a cult. That's right. <laughs> I, I, did a, read, I read a sentence like that, yeah. He joined a, some new age cult. The, the note I saw is that he left for a magazine and never came back. <laughs> I think the message should have been sent to Mick by that time. It's like, let's, we're done. We're done with all of this. It's time to move along. We, we, don't, we don't need another ninth and tenth album of this. Right. And then in 1975, they released their second eponymous album, Fleetwood Mac. But this one went seven times platinum. And it's a good album. Yeah, it's a great album. I really liked it. It's got some of their classic songs, mm-hmm. Rhiannon. Landslide. Yeah. And other ones that are really, really good. Yeah. This was the first album with Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Apparently, Mick Fleetwood was in the studio trying to record something, and he had heard Lindsey Buckingham in the studio doing some guitar work. He asked to hire him, and Buckingham said, You can do so, but you got to bring my girlfriend Stevie Nicks with. Right. That was the deal. He was looking for a studio to cut his new album, his 12th album. And the guy wanted to show him, like, here's what the, here's what the sound you'll get out of this album. And he played Nixon Buckingham's latest track, the, the first one that was recorded in that studio. And he's like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. I'll take the guitarist. Yeah. And then he got a load of Stevie Nixon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, she can come. We'll take her, too. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Which Man. leads to really messy relationships and then rumors. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> And the the numbers and the facts around rumors are pretty mind-boggling. Absolutely. I had a hard time nailing down exactly how many copies of this album have been sold. It won a Grammy for Album of the Year and won no other Grammys for any song on the album, which is one of six albums that that's happened to. 
Well, you know my thoughts on the Grammys. I do. I do. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about an album that sold, what was it? Did I see uh, uh, a million copies in the first month it that went, it was released? It eventually went 20 times platinum in the U.S. Which is... 20 million copies. Yeah, 20 million and 40 million worldwide. Something like that. It's one of five albums Double Diamond certified. It's crazy. Yeah, their follow-up album, Tusk, in 1979. Did you listen to that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't did. like it. No. I thought it was awful. Well, that's what happens when you give Lindsey Buckingham all the keys to all the cars. <laughs> that's exactly what Fleetwood did. Yeah. He gave him complete artist discretion, and it turned into like kind of an avant-garde. Not even that. It's just, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's, he, he said, I don't want to make a Rumors 2. What the fuck is wrong with that? And he didn't. Oh, yeah, he delivered on that promise. But, like, what would be wrong with making rumors, too? Writing that once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-band decade, like, wave of fucking popularity. I mean, they toured on rumors for goddamn near two and a half years. They cut Tusk in between breaks, and they delivered it. It went out to the marketplace. When they were supposed to tour on Tusk, it was another rumors tour. Because that's all anybody wanted to see or hear. Right. This is one of my very, very earliest memories of life. I remember my parents were going to the Rumors Fleetwood. They were huge Fleetwood Mac fans. And they were going to the Rumors tour up in East Troy, Wisconsin, Alpine Valley. This okay. was, I think, June of 77. Wow, so they saw this tour live. Well, <laughs> this is why it was uh, so, uh, a memory emblazoned in my mind. It was June of 77. My great-grandmother lived up around Lake Geneva area, so they dropped me off there. And I'm almost ready to turn five years old. And I was really sick, like with a fever sick. And my mother was like, they were ready to go. The whole fucking house was like meeting there. There are people that they were going to the concert with. And she was still like, I don't want to leave him because he's sick. Right. And my dad is kind of like, yeah, yeah, he's, let, let's go. Yeah, he's got kid, a fever. He's the kid will survive. Right. <laughs> right, he's going to be survived. And then she's like, she almost like had to be carried out of the, out of the house to get to this concert. And then like, and I, then I remember them returning early home from the concert Oof. because I think my mom just like yeah, flipped out, didn't like the fact that she was away from us. Like, come on, mom, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> Anyhow, that was one like very early. I mean, that's five years old or four years old. I was yeah, very early memory. But yeah, I, they got to see that. I can't imagine seeing that tour live. Oh, at Alpine Valley. At Alpine Valley, fuck oh. that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You got a joint when you got your ticket. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, like, so for those of you who haven't been there, Alpine Valley is basically a ski mountain, and they have shows out there during the summertime, and they put it on the side of a ski hill, yep. and you're like, it's fucking awful. It's awful now. It was like, you know, back then in 77, when they first converted it into a, a venue, it had to be like a mudslide. It's the very same ski hill that Stevie Ray Vaughan's helicopter flew into. Moment of silence. <laughs> SRV. Uh. So after Tusk, you know, they had a couple more albums. Tusk, Mirage in 84, and then Tango in And then Tango in the Night. And Tango in the Night apparently was their second best album commercially. Now, I don't know how far that went on the platinum scale in the U.S., but what I had seen was that that was their second most commercially viable. I'll buy it. They had a lot of, I don't know, it was... It was bubblegum. Like milk, milk toast pop. It but it wasn't even like for teenagers. Yeah, it was, it was like, like bubblegum adult pop. contemporary. Yeah, I guess adult contemporary is a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. It was shit that would wind up on like the stuff that you would hear in office buildings. <laughs> right. 
And then after that, I mean, well, so interspersed with that, like Stevie Nicks goes on a tear for her solo career. Every other year, 81, 83, 85, 87, she dropped an album. Lindsey Buckingham did the same thing. In 81 and 85, he dropped a solo album. Mm-hmm. It's like, no wonder this band just just kind of disintegrated over time. I mean, you have rumors, which was basically like an open diary written by all five of them going through the worst times in their personal lives. I mean, you've got Chrissy and John McPhee who have just gone through a bitter divorce and they're not on speaking terms in the studio. No, and she's having an affair with one of the crew. No, she's hooking up with some guy. Well, sure. that's, a, she, that's her new boyfriend is a guy who's on the fuck. He's a lighting guy. <laughs> uh, and he's got to sit there. John has got to sit there and watch the lighting guy go back and forth. <laughs> you know, and then, of course, you've got Lindsay and Steve who have this tumultuous you know relationship that's constantly blowing up getting back together and it's like and then you've got mick fleetwood who is going through his own divorce because his his best friends his best friend is banging his wife yes and then later like much later because they they reconciled and he's like no he's a great mate he's one of my still one of my my greatest mates and all of this while they are heavily influenced by cocaine they have gotten into the drugs so heavily. I didn't get any of that. <laughs> <laughs> gotten into the drugs so heavily that it started to cause some real problems. And I recently heard a podcast with Lindsey Buckingham where he talked about it. And he said, it got to the point where I had to get the hell out of there because I was going to die. And Stevie Nicks said she had gotten a nose job. And she asked her plastic surgeon what he thought of it. And he said, if you do one more honk of blow, you're going to keel over dead. Yeah. Like, they were really, really into the stuff to the point at which they were having some real problems. And I've been out of touch with the drug culture for a while, but I do believe they still call it a honk of coke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they did today. (laughs) All right, why don't we get this? three honks. Did you see? He's fucking crazy. (laughs) How many honks are in a bag? (laughs) Well, Stevie Nicks probably won. (laughs) All right, let's get this underway. I think I'm starting this week, and my honorable mention is You Make Loving Fun. I am a sucker for Christine McVie. I love her. I really am. I'm glad it's not just her that sings for this band. Yeah. But the songs that she sings on, which predominantly she has written, I think are really good. She's great. Yeah. She's a great songwriter. Great tone of voice. Beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. It's really nice. This song must have been a bitch to record, especially for John. Yeah. So this was... This is one of the lighter, sweeter songs on the album, but it's about her affair with the lighting guy on the crew. And what is he telling her? You make love and fun. Love and fun. Fucking guy. Play the bass, jack off. Yeah. Mick Fleetwood said, knowing John, he probably thought it was about one of her dogs. Which is kind of an interesting comment from Mick Fleetwood on perhaps what his relationship is with John McVie. I don't know, because you couldn't really find a lot of information on their relationship together. There was a ton of stuff about the the marriages that were separating and dissolving and the yeah, yeah. you know subsequent yeah. affairs that were happening, but you never heard 
about the relationship between McVie and Nick Fleetwood, who the band is named after. Right. I think he just, he didn't say a goddamn word, John McVie. He swallowed everything. The way he looked reminded me of Marty Feldman. No, that's Mick Fleetwood looks like Marty Feldman. That's who I thought. When I'm looking at that, I was watching the video. I'm like, that motherfucker is a six and a half foot dog, Marty Feldman. I thought it was McVie. There's a couple of still shots of McVie where his eyes are bulging out. Like, holy shit, it's Igor from Young Frankenstein. That's Igor. (laughs) Well, they were wrong then, weren't they? Well, that, yeah, his eyes are bulging out because of all the anger he's just swallowed for fucking 17 years of being this his fan. That's about to explode. Those two guys are the only members of the band that have been constant throughout the entire history of the band. They never left. Cindy Lauper was commissioned to cover You Make Love and Fun. Apparently the first official song she ever released. And what I read was she got paid like 12 bucks for it. Cindy Lauper? Cindy Lauper. So she hadn't broken through yet. Gotcha. It's kind of an odd cover, but, you know, hey, it's Cindy Lauper in the early 80s, maybe even the late 70s, yeah. possibly. But That's cool. So what you got for your honorable mention? So I've got a couple here. Lindsey Buckingham's solo career is uh, a lot like Tusk. You get one diamond out of a lot of horse shit. Uh, I thought so, too. I liked, in 1984, he released a, a song called Go Insane. I lost my power in this world. Probably has a lot to do with the cocaine. That's a good song. I like that groove. I don't know the song. Oh, it's a good groove. I like it. And, it, you know, I like the, uh, I like his lyrics. And then all of the duets that, that uh, Stevie did. Stand Back with Prince. Wasn't a duet, but Prince, you know, was basically the driving force behind that song. And then uh, Stop Dragging My Heart Around with Tom Petty, which we had already covered in a previous podcast. So I, I really think those the her duets with those people at their times, like they were apex predators in the, in the music industry, and she just bumped them up another level because she was such a... She was awesome. If you look at her first solo album, Belladonna, it's got a huge cast of characters. Yeah. She has on that album Tom Petty, Mike Campbell, who was Tom Petty's guitarist and who wrote most of his songs... Don Felder, Don Henley, Donald Duck Dunn from Blues Brothers band fame, and Billy Payne, who was a founding member of Little Feet. She pulled in some 
high power talent she's for that album. Oh yeah, she's a superstar. And she had the capital to do it, given you know what she had just done with Fleetwood Mac for the last few years. Yeah, I mean she's like the only female artist that didn't get blotted out by Madonna. Right. Her and Cindy Lauper, I suppose. Cindy Lauper had a pretty stellar career during that time too. But you know, it's just she she was a superstar. Uh, so those are my honorable mentions. All right. For my number five, I've got Leather and Lace. this song i like don henley's voice Fuck it's, it. I it's great <laughs> it's great his his vocals add to what she's already made a really good song mm-hmm. and he actually sings the higher harmonies while she takes the lower ones that's what's great about stevie man it's kind of a rare thing about you know two recording artists doing something like that yeah waylon jennings actually asked her to write a duet that he could sing with his wife and then they broke up and Stevie Nicks had worked really hard with Don Henley to write this thing. And she told him, you're either going to sing this with your wife or I'll sing it with Don Henley, but you're not singing it solo. So she pulled it from him and she and Don Henley you know, sang it together because they were dating at the time. Yeah. Boy, those, those guys in Fleetwood Mac, they play some fucking hardball. Oh, I got yeah. a couple of stories here. Oh, yeah. I, I saw some stuff to, too. Who would want to get a band with them? No, 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 no. Leather and Lace was Henley's first hit after the Eagles, and it was Stevie Nicks' first hit away from Fleetwood Mac. Didn't it wind up also on the Fast Times soundtrack? I want to say that it did. I don't remember. Fast Times soundtrack. Don't sleep on that one. That's got some good shit. I got to pull Sammy that Sammy Hagar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Ooh, what a great song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Stevie Licks. Stevie, Stevie, Stevie Licks. Stevie there Licks. We've all been thinking of it. <laughs> You're just saying what everybody else is thinking. (laughs) She is the first female to enter the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as both a solo artist and with a group. Yeah. I mean, I can't really, yeah. She's the first. I don't know if she's, I don't think she's the only, because I think... I couldn't even think of Beyonce might have, Oh yeah. might have, you know, tipped that with both the band she was in and then her solo stuff. Debbie Harry was always solo. She was always billed as solo. Right. Cindy, Madonna, they're all... Yeah. So, and her dad was the president of the Greyhound bus line. Right? <laughs> yeah, in San Francisco, right there from that Bay Area. Actually, she was, uh, she was born in Phoenix. And I guess she bounced all over the place. She moved like seven or eight times because of his job. Yeah. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Greyhound bus line, it's probably your worst choice of public transportation to move around the United States. I don't know. American Airlines is kind of getting there. <laughs> Greyhound Great. bus in the sky. Way to 86, a potential sponsor. <laughs> but uh, that, that and Carnival Cruise, also the, the, the Greyhound of the seas. <laughs> the floating Petri dish. I mean, the, the people, the clientele is just stunning. <laughs> All right, what you got for number five? All right, so we shit on it a lot, but I'm going to put it on my number five. I've got the eponymous. 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 Fucking song from Tusk. Don't say that you love me. 
I love this song, and I always have. And I don't know why. It's probably because it's one of the first and only video, or first videos on MTV that played over and over and over. And it was just a video of them directing the USC marching band with the song going over. They use the USC marching band in the track. It's fucking awesome. I love it. I listened to that whole album. I didn't recognize a single song. Not one. Really? Not which, Sarah? No. Which surprised me because huh. it wasn't, you know, in, what was that, 70, 78, 79? 79. It wasn't like it was, you know, 20 years before we were born. Yeah. It was something that, especially given Fleetwood Mac's airtime that they got. Like like we'd already mentioned, this this album really didn't get a lot of traction, and for good reason. That was the one thing that I remember is the video was always on. And I like it. I like the I like the, the, the weird feedback they've got going on, his menacing delivery of the lyrics, real slow and plotting Tom. You know, Fleet, Mick Fleetwood is good with the Tom rolls. Oh, yeah. He's just great. He's a I good. He's a good drummer. Oh yeah, he's great. So that's Tusk number five. There you go. Suck on it. <laughs> All right, my number four is off of the album Fleetwood Mac, and it is "Say You Love Me." Christine McVie. Yep. Told you I'm a sucker for her. Mm-hmm. I love the piano in this with the banjo picking in the background. It's it's real light, but if you listen to it, you can hear the banjo doing kind of a rhythm thing behind the piano. I can't help but smiling when I hear this song. It just makes me bop. Yeah, it's, it's her optimism that balances out the entire, you know, the, the work of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. She has tremendous optimism. Things are really shitty in her life and really tumultuous and very difficult. But the songs that she writes are very optimistic. You're like, hey man, not and not everything is as bad. I didn't mean to hurt you. All the shit like that. And then you know the other ones you've got like Lindsey Buckingham is just bitter. Yes, and he's fucking. He's gonna come <laughs> after you. And you know Stevie Nicks is like this ethereal mystic kind of like la 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 la. Right. Just doing my thing. I'm gonna write songs know? about I, Welsh princesses. Yeah, and if I goddesses. break your heart, oh well, you know I'll come around and break it again. Because you're so stupid, you'll do it again. <laughs> you know, it's just like this. These three juggling uh, these emotions around this album is just fantastic. Yeah, I think this song really personifies the era of that music. Like it's super catchy. It's not the, the sort of drugged out stuff you got from Cream or the oh yeah the heavier stuff you got from the Stones. This song just had this sort of lilt to it. Yeah, and I really the pre-chorus, the chorus, I love it. She yep. just kind of rolls into it, and it's all real easy. Like she's easy listening, but that's not that horseshit like like that we were <laughs> complaining about earlier. Like she's really good songwriter. Yeah, I, I really like that song, and I like her. All right, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is off of Tango in the Night. It's the Seven Wonders. But if I
love that too. It's like it wound up. I'm like, how the fuck is this on my list? And it's the the chorus. Yeah, the chorus is great. great. It's great. It just has that 1987 vibe. We're not really sure what's going, which way music is going here, so we just kind of put this in here. I love the chorus, man. I did too. When I heard that, that weird. Yeah, I don't know what instrument that is. There's a catchy key hook with a guitar behind it. Like it just it. It really worked for me. I well, I liked it a lot. Yes. That was a, that was a contender for my list as well. <laughs> yeah, Stevie Nicks sells that. Yeah. She, that's why she's Stevie because like, she got me. Yeah, I like it. Oh yeah. There's nothing more to say about this. One. Not really. <laughs> it's not real deep. No. I'm glad you picked we'll it up. It. I'm glad you picked it up. Mm-hmm. All right, that brings us to our number threes. My number three. I'm going to Stevie Nicks' Belladonna album, and it is the Edge of Seventeen. <laughs> Great tune. Banger fucking tune. Great tune. I, I'm going to save the opening for the best four seconds, but great tune. Mm-hmm. It just has that great edge to it, just like the white-winged dove. You know, yeah. it, it, the words fall together well. The white-winged dove is a reference to John Lennon. Oh, wow. Did you, um, do you know who did the guitar in that? No. Is that, I don't know either. I don't. I, be, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like Lukather or somebody. Could be. Like that. It's really awesome, could be, pretty yeah. Cool, pretty cool hook. Yeah, the, the song is about the death of John Lennon, and she has a line in there that says, with the words from a poet and the voice from a choir. And it's also about the death of her uncle from cancer, who apparently died rather suddenly after he was diagnosed. What's the edge of 17, then? So... Because <laughs> I always had it as like a kind of a coming of age, you know? So the, the title came from when she met Tom Petty's wife. Stevie Nicks asked her when they met, and her response was, the age of 17. But her southern accent made it sound like she said, the edge of 17. And Stevie liked the way it sounded. She's like, I'm keeping that as a song title. So it really has nothing to do with the song itself. I like that turn of phrase like that. Right? cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great rhythm guitar throughout that whole song. Just that chucka 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 of the repeating six, 16th notes yeah. I, I dig it a lot but when I heard that I went oh yeah I, yeah, right? I forgot about this song and how how cool it was yeah it's, it lives on radio but nobody listens to radio anymore right, right? so we always have we, we only listen to our own you know Spotify playlist or whatever like right. this and like stuff like that will never make it into our filters really if you're not really looking for it and like you forget songs like that yeah. like it's, that's what radio is there for, I guess, to kind of play those old shitty songs so you get bored of them. Tom Petty has a mansion on Main Street there. <laughs> What's your number three? Okay. Off the Mirage album, and we did a little shitting on the Mirage album because it deserved it. Not great. Is there a song, Hold Me? Your 
classic Fleetwood Mac style. Absolutely. Different from anything else going on in music. Doesn't sound like anything they ever did before. Doesn't sound like anything that anybody else is doing. Right. Like you think this is 84. This is Prince. This is Jack Michael Jackson. This is Madonna. And this song does not sound like any one of those. Like this is classic Fleetwood Mac style. Yeah. I love it. That song, when I heard it, reminded me of being a kid. We talked about that a little bit in the Boston episode. Yes. That song, when I heard it, I was like, woo, whiplash back to He's been 10 parked. again. Yeah, right back to the pool. Yeah, right. right. East Park. Right. They had blaring over the loudspeakers. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I like about this song is it's, it's a duet between Buckingham and McVie, which is rare in their songs. They don't do that a lot. Right. It's always him bouncing off of Stevie Nicks because he's got a bone to pick with her. Uh, but when Chrissy McVie and Lindsey Buckingham uh, sing this song together, it's really melodic. It's yeah. Wonderful harmonies. And, like, again, I have the note here because we've already talked about it. It's like she really gets undersold as a singer and a songwriter. Like, this is her song. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's it's great. All right, that brings us to our fantasy concert lineup. All right. <laughs> All right. All right, so because Stevie Nicks was uh, amongst other famous musicians dating Joe Walsh, I'm going to go with the James Gang. And we're going oh, li- okay. to listen to a little Funk 49. All right. Just the James Gang. Just the James Gang. We can save the Eagles for another. Uh, there goes the neighborhood. Another application. I like it's it. Just Joe Walsh and the James I Gang. I love Joe Walsh. Right. Hell of a personality. My uh, my father's childhood friend, all through his life, tremendously talented woodworker, and he lived down at the U of I. Joe Walsh has a house down in Champaign, and he lived in Joe Walsh's house for I want to say like eighteen months during this time when he was at superstardom. Wow. And just did like woodwork for him. Huh. And my dad has a piece in his basement that was done by Stock and it was done for Joe Walsh and kind of gave it to him and it's like it's it's really crazy that like I didn't realize he'd like lived in the U of I for whatever. Why does Joe Walsh live in Champaign, Illinois? That's a good question. I don't know, but there are there are there's a one concert that they played like Hotel California concert, and he's wearing an Illinois shirt. Like oh. and and so is Glenn Fry too. Okay. I don't know what the connection is there. I don't know, but there he was, and there was Stock, and just <laughs> living in Joe Walsh's house when Joe Walsh is a fucking superstar. Big. I heard a story once, I don't remember who was telling it, it was another member of the Eagles, and they were talking about the sort of boredom of life on the road and, and how the nights just blended together, and he said he was lying in bed in his hotel room after a show and heard a like a big ruckus or a racket fire up in the room next door, he couldn't quite understand what it was. Right. And suddenly the wall behind him over his head kind of like burst. And it was Joe Walsh with a chainsaw cutting through the wall. Cut a big hole in it and just As leaned through and was like, hey man. Hey man. Hey, how you doing? Could you describe the ruckus? Well, <laughs> yes, in this yes. case I can. It's Joe fucking Walsh with a chainsaw. All right, the other band I want to see with Fleetwood Mac is Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I 
don't want to hear the political stuff. I like the political stuff, but I don't want to hear Four Dead in Ohio. I want to hear the fluff. I want to hear Southern Cross. Think about, think about how many My favorites. Yeah. I love Southern Cross. Oh, it's a great... It's, a, it's that kind of song that when you get just enough booze in you, you can really belt it out. Oh, yeah. All right, what you got for your fantasy I like that. I like that. You, are you going to do Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, too? We can. We'll save, like I said, we'll save the, like the political uh, stuff. We'll save the political stuff for a different show. Well, that was a young song, right? Would they have played it without young? I wonder. Right. No, that was just CSN. Yeah. And you know, like Fleetwood Mac was never really all that political. Oh, they no. were all singing about each other. They weren't singing about anything else. That's why they sold forty million albums. Sure. Because it it was like a soap opera on vinyl, and everybody could relate to getting fucked over. And having to deal with somebody that you just you, you, you still love or whatever it, it was it was great anyhow let's get to the concert you're gonna want to get your tickets early Ooh. okay now let's just preface this a little bit we're talking about 1977 I'm talking about 1977 we are seeing the rumors tour I'm gonna take my mother to this show because she I think she missed out on half of it because of me <laughs> so we're getting this is 1977 but it was also I just read a New York Times article from way back. The greatest summer of music was 1977 in New York City. That was like the the title of it. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'll, I'll read that. It was the summer of Son of Sam. It was the summer of the Great Blackout. And from May to August, this is what the author saw at an average ticket price of $10. Ooh. And movies back then were $2.50. So we're talking you sure. know, pretty pretty manageable stuff. Here's just a, just a little taste of who you could have saw in those five months New York City in two venues, either Nassau or MSG. Boston, Chicago, The Beach Boys, The Dead, The Allman Brothers, Leonard Skinner. Led Zeppelin played seven nights at Madison Square Garden in June. Crosby, Stills, Nash, Fleetwood Mac, Pink Floyd, Yes, Judas Priest, REO, The Doobie Brothers, 38 Specials, UFO, ACDC, Hall of Notes, Little River Band, and Elvis Presley was supposed to play August 22nd, and he croaked August 16th. That's a fucking summer. That's a lot, that's a lot of music. Right? Jesus Christ. And the guy said he'd like, that. those are the ticket stubs that I pulled out. Wow. Fucking hell. All right. So I'm going to do a little News of the World tour when Queen comes out and does a 32-song set.
and it's all the hits, all of them. And then we're going to clean up the stage. We're going to bring out Fleetwood Mac, watch that carnage happen, and then we're going to do the Doobie Brothers. Michael McDonald. I'm not going if there's no Michael McDonald. They're on tour this year. They were coming into Chicago in September. There are only a couple of dates where Michael McDonald will play. He's not playing Chicago. I said, well, then fuck it then. I don't want to see it. I don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine see the doobies in Dubes. 77? That would have been fun. Which doobie you be? <laughs> All right, that brings us to our number twos. Okay. My number two, I'm going back to rumors, and it's Gold Dust Woman. Mm hmm. I think Nick's voice is a really great fit for this song. It's smoky. She's in a register that just kind of hits her perfectly. It's all her angst coming back at Buckingham for his line, packing up, shacking up, and go your own way. Yeah. And she says, rulers make bad lovers. You better put your kingdom up for sale. I love that line. Right? So cool. Isn't it? <laughs> she did say in an interview that gold dust was a metaphor for cocaine. You think? <laughs> right? First line. Yeah. Take your silver spoon and dig your grave with it. Yeah. I love that. I mean, this is her song. Oh, yeah. This is her, She's in it. Yeah. There's an effect on the guitar that's really cool. It's got this, like, phaser kind of sound to it or flanger like or something. Yeah, it just has a wow yeah. kind of feel to it. There's a really haunting ending where there's like screaming and breaking glass and like it's it's cool. do you ever have the do you ever hear the isolated version of those no like they isolated Lindsay's mic it's on YouTube everything is fucking on YouTube and they isolated his mic it is horrifying it's horrifying it's like a, a haunted house yeah when I heard it again and a lot of these I heard them and I'm like man I forgot about this mm-hmm. I, I knew it we were drowned in it to a certain degree but you're right when you pick your own stuff to listen to it you picked it. It's not going back to stuff you forgot. Right. It falls out of your field of vision. And right. you're just like, there it is, waiting to be rediscovered again, which is why this is like, I think this is why we do this pod. Yeah. A lot of things, you know. <laughs> for, for our benefit alone. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. What's your number two? All right. So my number two is off of the first Fleetwood Mac album, Fleetwood Mac, 1975. The first track that was laid down and first track on the album with Lindsay and Stevie Nicks, Monday Morning. Then you get on down the line But I don't mind I don't mind Yeah 
mean, this is a great introduction to the band. It's like, we're done with the British blues shit. Right. We're California pop now, okay? And this is a classic version of California pop. Just blows. I'm the fan of the Eagles. I like the Eagles. This blows anything the Eagles were doing out of the water at the time. It had that lilt to it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just you know, not real serious. Just kind of, but but a, a really great tune. And, and and again, there's Fleetwood Mac, you know, or Mick, with the floor toms, like just just. Yep. It's like, it's a great song. I remember traffic reporters used to play that clip all the time. I've got traffic on my mind. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a lot of, you know, his uh, his kind of boyish tenor against Stevie Nicks' mezzo-soprano and stuff like that. It's really good. I like it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a nice tonal quality to it. All right, that brings us to our number ones. I have to stay on Rumors, and I'm going with Go Your Own Way. Written by Lindsey Buckingham about his breakup from Stevie Nicks. Loving you isn't the right thing to do, opens the song. She really resented that line, packing up, shacking up is all you wanted to do. (laughs) Uh, This was kind of a police-esque song. A number of their songs are like this, where you've got this kind of upbeat tune with a rather negative message, yep. either buried in it or not so subtly buried in it. Oh, there's nothing subtle about it. <laughs> right. There's, there is a, there's a lot of bitterness in, in Loving you lyrics. isn't the right thing to do. I'm opening with that, okay? It's only going to get worse from here. That's right. And by the way, I'm going to look you dead in the fucking eye as I sing it. You ever see this song being performed live? Yes. He looks dead in her fucking eyes you know look at the crowd he's still it's still 30 years later he's like and she's staring him down too fucking great yeah some great bass runs during the choruses Mm -hmm. the guitar solos are simple but solid and i'd see a lot of that from buckingham like i don't think he's a real articulate or or you know like he's not a shredder but he puts the right notes in the right spot and that kind of ends up being a good guitar solo, even though it's not something that's technically super advanced sounding, at least. He is a once, like, there's nobody who plays guitar like him, period. I would agree there's with that. There's just nobody that plays like him. And, like, I've played for a long time, and I've, I can, you know, mimic even Eddie Van Halen, all of his stuff. Lindsey Buckingham, forget about it. It's not, you can't even touch him. He's doing something. He's got that claw plucking style. He's so sync. He's so in rhythm with himself. It's just, I don't know how he records shit and then plays it live as well as he does. He's just a phenomenal talent. Yeah. It's great. His vocals in this are really good, too. Great. Really good. Like, I like his voice in this song. I like his voice otherwise, like screeching. too. But I like his voice in this song. It it, it delivers the message yeah. without being grating. Yeah. No, at the end, he's screeching to go your own way. Yeah. Like, he's fucking had it. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I love it. I love, and I think that's like you made the point. It's like this is an up tempo song, but like on the surface, it's like it's all 
this this whole album is like up tempo songs that you could it's easy to listen to but it's all about recrimination it's all about pain and loss sure and bitterness all, yeah bitterness and it's all right there for you just to kind of like sop it up <laughs> you just dip your bread in it or uh, relate to yeah for sure yeah all right what's your number one all right off of mirage my number one is gypsy and it all Turn of Stevie Nicks. She, I mean, she says it. She's like, back to the gypsy that I was. I love this song. It's yeah. She's she, like, I don't know if she sounded better in any other track than this one. She sounds great. And I, I especially like the back end of the song when Buckingham comes in and kind of doubles her, like kind of almost reports back to her with her same choruses. And he's just kind of like, it, it's really a great effect. And it just, I love it. And the, and the end of the song, uh, his solo is worth sticking around for. Uh, for sure. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a keyboard or guitar that's doing it, but that repeating arpeggio throughout the song that just bounces up and then bounces back down. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost like a harpsichord. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's got a, it's a real hook. Like, yeah, it's super catchy. Yeah, Chrissy McBee did harpsichords a lot, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it was because that's what it sounds like. It could be, and it's real simple. Yeah, but she's it's just great. I love that song. It's a good it's a good register mm-hmm. for her vocal range. Right, and like they they do a good job of assigning you know the singer to the song or assigning the song to the singer however way they're doing it the, 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 they write the songs and if they write the songs they basically sing them right so Chrissy sings all her songs Stevie sings all her songs Lindsay sings all of his songs that's kind of how the band works right. they'll bring the song to the band and they'll, they'll just kind of add on like here's the, here's the bassist who will add on Mick will add on his stuff and you'll just get, get a song and it, and it worked well for two albums and not so well for the other albums Right. she's not a great technical singer Next, no, no, but she's so smooth with it. Oh yeah, and she had a stage presence that was unique. Yeah, you could argue a little weird. Yeah, mystical. <laughs> so I do have to stop. Are we going to go on here? Yeah, I've got a couple more comments before we get to our most hated. Okay, I did want to throw out Amy, my wife. Yeah, her favorite is "Bleed to Love Her." I didn't either. It's off of, it was released later. I want to say like 2017. Oh, so when you really or, forgot about Fleetwood Mac. Right. When, <laughs> when you were kind of done with it, you know, you wouldn't think about a new release from yeah, Fleetwood yeah, Mac. Yeah. She she found this song and, and it's good. And I do have to give a shout out to Stop Dragging My Heart Around, which you named earlier. I would have this within my top six list had I not named it in the Tom Petty podcast. Yeah. So listen to the Tom Petty podcast, even if you don't like them. Actually, especially if you don't like them. <laughs> We're just telegraphing something there. You can you can hear all about Stop Dragging My Heart Around. 
right, what you so got? in the interest of well in in the uh, in the spirit of Fleetwood Mac and fucking somebody that you work with I'm about to do that to you right now. Uh-oh. If you'll notice, my list has nothing on it from Rumors. Okay. That is because Rumors is going into my pantheon. It is. There is. A, and do you agree with that? No. Okay. So this is why I'm <laughs> fucking you. Go ahead. Tell me why no. Well, that brings us to our most hated. Okay. My most hated. And when I hit it, I went, yep, that's it. Okay. Secondhand news. Go ahead. Bow, 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 bow. I just got tired of playing the guitar. (laughs) It's awful. It's got a twanginess to it. The the bow, bow, bows are awful. The guitar solo is really annoying. And it's the first song on the album. The album that sold, you know, that went 20 times platinum in the U.S. Yeah. How do you kick off an album this good with that song? Okay. (laughs) Agree to disagree. It's like a caricature of a song. <laughs> that is such a low blow. I just... I've been down so low. I've been kicked around enough. Yeah. Just let me... Oh, I love that song. I can't do it. Really? I can't do it. Okay. Well, this is... A, so here... In our Hall of Fame that we've been that we've been cultivating here, we've been curating our Hall of Fame right. over the last 24 artists, we decided to have a pantheon. And you fucked me on Dark Side of the Moon because you couldn't go take a piss for 90 seconds. <laughs> and I, now I'm just, I'm building my own pantheon. All right, so you can a, build yours. There's I'm two wings mine. to yeah, the pantheon. There's, there's the Central <laughs> Hall of Fame. And then if you want to build yours, the, the Carrick and Nick outside. Division. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, I'm done with this. Are you kidding me? Rumors is a, definitely a pantheon. There's, 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 there's 11 tracks on this album. Ten of them are absolute classics in any American history that you want to call, including secondhand news. Can't do it. That's, I'm doing it. Someone's got to put their foot down, and that foot is me. I love the way that... Uh, <laughs> I just saw I was just watching that this afternoon with Leo. <laughs> I love... So this the one transition I will talk about, like, I've got a, I've got a whole list of going through, like, all of the songs, but we won't, we won't get to it here, except for the, the transition between Songbird and The Chain. And the songbirds keep singing like they know the score. And I love you, I love you, I love you like never before. Now, Songbird is a really sweet Chrissy McVie, very positive. It's her love song to the band. 
Yeah. She's basically saying, it's like, guys, we're in a real bad way here, but just just keep on singing together. Like, we'll make it through this. Like, really positive, really, really sweet song. And I really love that song. Um, and then, like, they, they were absolutely purposeful on how they ordered this album because the next song is The Chain. And it's the B-side of the album. So you think that you're ending on a high note on the A-side. It's like, song, oh, what's that? <laughs> things are going to be okay. Because that, that was the feel when you're re- listening to this album. It's like, it's a soap opera. And then you flip over and all of a sudden you hear this, this kick drum going. And like, <laughs> is this the soundtrack to like High Plains Drifter? Right. <laughs> or like High Noon? Like, th- and then he comes in with like his almost banjo sound and guitar and like... Listen to the wind blow, motherfuckers, because we're done with all that positive shit. That's right. We're done. And he comes in like a gunslinger on this album. And he's basically, if you don't love me now, you will never love me again. That's a great line. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's awesome. And he's pitching like 110 miles an hour in this song. It's just fucking great. I love the way that the songs carry out the the messages of the different songwriters, balancing again the, the positivity, optimism of McVie, the bitterness of Buckingham. And just like the mysticalness of Stevie Nicks, that's right. I love it. This and that's why it's going in. The chain is uh, their most, their second most streamed song on Spotify at 750 million plays. And you should love this song too, because oh, I like this. I like the chain. At at some point, like John just says, "Fucking clear out." I'm doing my bass solo. That's right, right here, right now. And it's a simple bass solo, but he just pulls it out. And they let him cook. Yeah, they, they let do. Go, John, and he can only make it about four measures. Yep. And that, that's it. That's, that's right. Then, okay, that's enough comes of that. He's like, all right, motherfuckers, let's go. <laughs> what is their most played song on Spotify? Ever? Mm-hmm. Well, on Spotify. Oh, on Spotify. I don't know Spotify. No, um, it's probably going to mirror what's played on Apple Music. Go or your own else. way. Oh, no, 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 no. It's uh, it's uh, the the fucking Bill Clinton. Thief. Don't stop. Nope, you are incorrect, and it's probably because of TikTok. But it is dreams. Oh yeah, that's right. That dude. That the LA dude skater. on the skateboard drinking cranberry juice. You know, and then the the whole fucking album charted last year mm-hmm. because of him. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Over a billion listens on Spotify. I guess it popped it into the top fifty streaming lists in the U.S., the U.K., and Australia. Australia from that one TikTok video, which is actually, if you haven't seen it, it's really pleasing. It's just him yeah. on a skateboard drinking cranberry juice. Yeah. Happy as fuck. Yeah. On the, the L.A. freeway. Yeah, on a freeway. <laughs> actually, I think he was in Idaho, but yeah, he's on a fucking highway. <laughs> All right, you've heard my most hated. What is your most hated? My most hated is uh, all of all of Tango, pretty much, because I, that, that's one of those albums that wound up in like adult contemporary music, and it's just everywhere. Like Little Lies. Big love. Get the fuck out of here. Big, big 
lot of like Little Lies was like just completely drilled into my head. I listened to some guys on the radio back then, and they would just they had this segment that would just you know it, it's awful, it's just awful. I just hate it. It was all well. Seven Wonders was on Tango, but I know ever <laughs> there was a lot of that. Like I had written in my notes here about Tango in the Night. It's vapid everywhere. You know that I'm proud and I can get the words Great message, but it's like empty. It's empty. It's v- and it's all super eighties. Yeah, it's. I don't mind. I love super eighties, but like, have a fucking point, right? <laughs> right. Listen, if it helps, get back into the cocaine because this is Nick's kicked cocaine yeah. in '86. She couldn't be around anybody who was doing it, so that tells you something about the rest of the band. Like, they all kicked it too. And this is a, if this is the non-coked up Fleetwood Mac. Pass. Time to dust up. <laughs> Pass. Yeah. Get out your silver spoon. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. It's like roids and, and football. Like, let them do it all. If it's more entertaining, so be it. All right. Coolest four seconds. Uh, I'm going to go with the intro to Edge of Tomorrow by Stevie Nicks yeah. as one of mine. <laughs> They get these intros, man. They're really good at intros. When that guitar starts kicking, you just you know what the song is. It's a great tune, and I just love that opening guitar. And all of their intros to like, I mean, almost all their intros to almost every one of the fucking songs on Rumors is great. Don't stop is a great intro. It 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 got pig fucked by Bill Clinton because he played it incessantly. Incessantly. It's a great intro with with McVie's organ. It's it's so great. Um, Go your own way is another awesome. Yep. just a dissonant sound of the acoustic in the high register and this really strange wailing electric on the back end of it it's just really great those are really cool intros yeah and they hook you man they, they're they're hook monsters these guys oh yeah and they're original it's like the cross of like original technical quality of music crossed with popularity and they mm-hmm. got it they like, did. and they, they hit it for 47 million albums and two albums like they really got it their intro to Say You Love Me, it's piano, and it's pure Charlie Brown. Say 
Charlie Brown piano. I like. I I thought it was great. <laughs> well, the Rhiannon too. So cool. That song spurned a wave of of girls named Rhiannon after it was released. And then it came back into popularity. I don't know, I think a TV show or something used the song in the in the like mid to late 90s or something like that. And you had another wave of Rhiannons going out there. In fact, a, f- a good friend of mine, her name is Rhiannon, and she said her mom was a fan of the song. So, Rhiannon, if you're listening, I, I hope you're well. That's <laughs> that's a cool name. Um, and that, that song also, the chorus, um, it's rare that all three of them harmonize together. Mm-hmm. But it really, man, it really sounds beautiful. Yeah. They, they, they And all of them said it. Like, we had magic. Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. There's just magic in, in whatever they were doing. Like, just... It shouldn't have worked. None of it should work. Like no. they're not poppy songs. They're not technical poppy songs. They're just so different from what was going on. Yeah. But they were so just raw with it. Right. I do have one more <laughs> one more coolest four seconds. And it is the chorus from As Long As You Follow, which is my adult contemporary guilty pleasure. I don't know where you Please don't sing it. <laughs> as long as you can follow. Oh. That's, That's not words. over my head, is no. it? No. I like that song. <laughs> <laughs> but I heard it and I'm like, I can't put this on my list. <laughs> but I really like that chorus. <laughs> All right. Well, so we have the category. Sisters of Mercy. Yeah, yeah, I do. I like this shit. It's I, really good. I really enjoyed this. Now... I'm not sure I need more of it. I could maybe see myself going back to it at some point and just, you know, dipping my toe in. But it's not something I want repeating on a playlist for me. Well, yeah. Let me, you all know how, my, you know, how precious my time is. <laughs> for one of the best albums ever to be committed to magnetic tape, you're in and out in 38 minutes. That's 11 songs, 38 minutes, and you get some of the best songs ever committed to vinyl. It's fucking great. That does fit your your peak time frame, right? You're a little over three minutes That's of song. Just as the, the the red skin is starting to peel off my Spanish peanut. <laughs> and yes, that's a metaphor. Car's question: Did they move music forward? I think they did. They did. I think they did. I don't know what direction though. I don't know who picked up the Fleetwood Mac torch. I don't know that you really could. Right, you had kind of a special sauce there with the rotating band members, the, messy the, lives, the angst, yeah, the immeasurable drug use. There was a there was a <laughs> lot yeah, yeah. there was a lot of components in that cocktail that 
I don't know that you're going to be able to duplicate again. Because there's nobody that plays guitar like Lindsay. Like, you know, the, Eddie Van Halen spawned a generation of, of guys that played like him. And, right. You know, the music that came after him, whatever. Uh, but there's nobody out there, like, doing the claw pick like Lindsay Buckingham and no. getting the sounds. Like, so I, I know they moved it forward. I just don't know how. Maybe in the business end of things, because they fucking toured off of this thing for three years. And they fucking, you know, they made a gobs of money and... I think they created the unique sound of their vocals combined with music that had a little more intricacy to it than just fluff. Yeah. And, and that, there was a lot of fluff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but for sure. They also, if you, you, you get back to the rumors and the Fleetwood Mac album, that wasn't all fluff. It was what it was, which we've already talked about. Right. But, I think that that they created that sound. You're right. Did somebody duplicate that since? I don't. No. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Maybe they're just like one branch on the rock and roll tree. No. <laughs> yeah, they're on their own. They're on they're their kind own. Of on their own, but they they deserve to be out on their own because they they opened all five of their diaries and just spilled their guts onto the I, <laughs> onto right. the recording studio, and it's like. And they made greatness out of it. Would you see these guys if they came around again? Sure. No, I mean, not not now. They kicked Lindsay and fucking him out of the band. <laughs> so you, you'd only do it if all of them were together. I've seen enough of their live performances on TV and YouTube to know that they put on a great show. I don't really know. YouTube is kind of fucking awesome. For a guy like me, doesn't really like crowds a whole lot. I just saw Green Day perform their warm-up gig before they hit Lollapalooza July 29th of this year at the Metro. And it was pretty fucking solid, clear, and the music sounded great. And I'm like, I was there for 90 minutes and watching it. And I'm like, I feel like I was there. There you That's go. Cool. So, so, no, no. But, I mean, my point is, is like, why kick them out now? It's 40 fucking years. You guys are that petty? Yes, they are. Yeah. I, I would see them. Now, Stevie Nicks is touring right now. Yeah. And she's playing Ravinia. Lawn seats are 85 bucks. No. Which, no. Ravinia is such a pain in the ass to get to. And then you can't even see her from most of that lawn. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm out. I, I wouldn't go that far. But I'm a big fan of seeing live music. So if, if she were a little closer and a little less money, I would probably <laughs> I would probably check that out. Yeah, no, but kicking Lindsay out of the band, that's hardball shit, but that's what they're used to. The one song that she, she wrote, I Don't Want to Know, from Rumors. She didn't want that on the album. She had another song that she wanted. And, they're, and the band said, listen, you're going to put this on the album and you're going to go out and sing it every night, so you better get used to it. And if you don't like that, you can leave the band. <laughs> they're fucking they're just hardball. firing into each other. Hardball. It's like, it unbelievable, man, right? That song and was good. It had, it had good hand clapping. Her quote it. was, it went on the album because I, put, I had a gun put to my head. Now, metaphorically, a gun put to right. my head. Basically, well, choose between hopefully. children, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> hopefully, metaphorically. Just so crazy. All right, the MVP here. I think it's pretty clear. I think it's the destructive relationship between the band members. Mm -hmm. You could also throw an honorable mention to the rotating door of people that were coming in and out of this band. Because if that didn't happen, you wouldn't have had Chrissy McVie. You wouldn't have had Stevie Nicks. You wouldn't have had Buckingham. You could also tip a nod towards the cocaine. But I think I'd have to give it to this angst in relationship problems that that created the sound that it did okay i'm, I'm going to give it to a building sound city 
the studio that Mick Fleetwood was shopping around for for his band. And not only was Sound City where they found Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, but also, and this is why everybody who is anybody recorded at Sound City. As a matter of fact, Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, took the entire fucking board from it and because they were closing it down and he put it in his own studio and he's like, there's something about this board. It can't be duplicated. And there's something about that room. Now that room was just a 20 by 30 square and musicians walked into it and like, this is fucking bullshit. How are you going to get music out of this? But they said that you can tune a guitar it's fine. A guitar in the studio is fine. Bass guitars, anything, pianos, keyboards, all those things can be modified. Drums are different in every single room. And this room gave Fleetwood Mac its, its signature sound, which is those drums. Right. And so I'm going to give it to Studio City and the whole fucking building. One of these days, I'll convince you to do the Foo Fighters podcast. We'll get We're getting there. I'm warming up. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Rankings. Talent. I gave him a 4.3. Yeah, I have him up there. 4.7. Okay. Talented band, all of them. Yeah, I agree. Catalog, I gave him a 2 2. There's, I, I, it was nice. 2 5, right <laughs> in the middle of the road. Image, <laughs> that was really disappointing, too, to put that down. I'm like, really? Yeah. There's not a lot there. Yeah. For as long as they've been around. Image, I gave him a, I gave him a 2 9. There really wasn't anything cool about Fleetwood Mac to no. me. You could argue that Nix and her kind of floaty, Style was unique. Only takes you so far. Right. Chrissy McVie looked like a librarian behind that piano. She did. And and Buckingham had that ridiculous sort of afro that started to recede as he got older, but he never cut it back. (laughs) Yeah, he looked like like Bozo. Yeah. He looked like a a chia pet that went wrong. (laughs) And John McVie just sat there and smoldered on stage. The only cool guy was like Mick Fleet with his six and a half foot brim. Yeah, just right? sitting there like animal behind his <laughs> Just Donkey Kong pounding away. <laughs> yeah, so I have him at like a two and a half. There really wasn't much cool. The Stevie Nicks carried a lot of water for them. That's right. If you like what you heard, please rate us and leave comments in your ratings. That really does drive us forward. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back at you here in about a month with another show. Thanks for listening, everybody. 